Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. Back again with another podcast. The triangle is back together. Me, Stan and Jim. Stan, Saudi Arabia duty is no more. He is back on cookie pod duty. And let's just say his uh, his morals are a little bit different now, aren't they, Stan? Yeah, so basically the reason uh, I'm back is because we, we were in a shop and I let a woman go in front of me, so they, they sent me straight back. That's fair, that's fair. That is fair. Yeah, so. No, I, I understood. You've only got yourself to blame. I understood because, you know, she wasn't a child, they're out, so fairs. Fairs. Speaking of they've only got themselves to blame, Stan, we'll start there. Manchester United, would you say they have only got themselves to blame? Well, yeah, maybe. I think, to be fair, I think all five goals, I think, in the game, I think the defence, the defending team uh, will probably be upset with, with how they went in. Um, obviously, the first one, uh, party losing it, getting megged, and then, um, obviously, Rashford, great finish. I mean, all of them from an attacking-wise was brilliant, but defensive, their equaliser, sloppy from us, uh, passing out when Masaka gets caught. Obviously, playing on the left side of defence, so I don't know whether his angles were wrong or whether he just fell asleep. I don't know, but the Saka's goal again, brilliant. But Christian Eriksen didn't close him down quick enough. Their our equaliser, Ramsdale flaps at the corner and it drops to Martinez, and obviously the winner um, in Ketty is on his own there uh, in the six-yard box. So, um, yeah, I'm not. To be fair, I'm not going to be too negative about United. I think uh, we gave them all all they got really for everything that they had for 75, 80 minutes of that game. And I think that the difference was um, a team that is is three, four years into the process and top of the league against a team that is six months in, and then they've got more than us at the moment, as shown by the league table and, and obviously the result yesterday. So. For United, I'm, I'm not going to get too upset about it. Um, I, th- I think, you know, Arsenal knew they were in a game yesterday. United were the only other team to beat them this season. So, you know, both times we've played them, we've, we've given them as good as they've got. And, uh, you know, really, I think United can take a lot of positives. It's a bit annoying. We uh, considered another late goal like we did against Elise. I mean, the last two games, uh, we've had two goals in the 90th minute to make it a draw and a loss. But... You know, it's, it's learning curves for United at the moment. I've seen United play a lot worse than, than we did. Uh, I mean, already this season, Brighton and City, you know, the two games that we lost and they were both 4-0 at half-time. So I've always said if there's a way to lose, um, you know, if you're going to lose, there's a way to do it. And I think yesterday was was probably that for United. So a lot of positives for United, but, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, the result's not the one we wanted, but, you know, we move on. Um, so, yeah, I'll let you talk about more about Arsenal because I know this section was more about our Arsenal going to win the title you know whatever so we won't we won't dwell on United too much no we will we will we're more on Man United no oh, okay <laughs> get in no um, Jim Arsenal the, they're obviously we spoke last week about how much they're overachieving at the minute and I feel like this result just solidifies that Stan rightly said that United beat them on earlier on in the season and give them their only L really and do you see that the process is real now and Arsenal are really starting to believe they can do this or do you still think that your City boys can still have a good solid run at it and drive them all the way with the experience? A bit of both to be fair to answer. Um, as I said last week people aren't taking them seriously enough. I think this was the kind of result that will make a lot more people take them more serious title challenges um, because they've lost once all year they're on course for a 100 point season. I mean, 
it's the fifth best ever start um, in Premier League history. The only other team to lose was Liverpool, and that was against a hundred point season. So they're on course to smash like ninety five points easily, um, which is which will go down as one of the best statistic wise Premier League champions of all time. Whether that's a, a thing where the teams now are just better than they used to be, or more points is kind of like a can't think of the word, but it's happening a lot more recent, recently, and it? it's not out of the normal someone getting over 95 points. Um, but at the same time, they never mentioned it yesterday. I think if it's a big if, because there's a quite decent gap in the way Arsenal play, and they're showing no signs of slowing down. If City do get into late stages of this season and there are level points of Arsenal, I think the weight will be on Arsenal's shoulders a lot more than it will be City's. We've been here, we've We've been in countless seasons now under Pep where you have to be perfect to win the Premier League and we've done it, we've shown we can do it. Um, but again, like I said, that is a big if because the way they're playing, we might not come like April, May, we could be out of it, we could be nine, ten points off. Um, that's very feasible because the way they're playing, the way we're playing, they're probably favours for the match now. It just them. They won't be, obviously, the Buckets when City comes to play Arsenal, but they are playing better football. And yeah, yesterday was, Stan mentioned it uh, to me, that he was, yeah, it's a huge moment and it was something that happens in champion winning seasons. They have these games where, yeah, Arsenal were the better team. I think they dominated the ball, they created all the chances, but it just looked like United kept pinning them back. They got the first one, which is a great goal, and then at 2-1, I thought it's over and then Martinez gets one like not long after the two, after um, the second for Arsenal. I think he had them in a game and he just found that goal um, and Ketia, who was one of them players who you think he has to step up now with Jesus injured and he did. I thought he was brilliant. I think a lot. Of, I think all that from through were brilliant. I think Martin had a bit of a quiet game, but Saka and um, and Ketia, who did a really good interview at the end of the game, was quite fun. I thought they were both brilliant. Um, Saka's red hot at the minute. I, just, I don't think there's a better winger in like other than Mbappe. Might not be a better winger in world football than the way he's playing. But seriously, is that good? Um, and I thought Luke had a good game as well. That, that's how good I thought he was. He was just yeah, Arsenal are really good and. Let's see what they can keep doing, especially if I don't really know what to say to them because they've answered all the questions that they've been thrown at so far. Yeah, I know what you mean. Shaw, Shaw was relatively good. And the only thing that pissed me off about him really was that he kept standing off him and giving him maybe a bit too much <coughs> time and space to, to actually look where he's going to find that final ball. And Stan, I'll come to you for this one. A lot of talk at the minute is who's going to get the player of the year. And the main two candidates at the moment are the aforementioned Bakayo Saka, but another player in Martin Odegaard. So I'm just thinking, what's your opinion on that one at the minute and who do you think is more likely to get player of the year? Um, it'll probably be Saka because he's English, if, if we're being honest. Um, Race. Odegaard's, brill- Odegaard's brilliant. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he did too much yesterday. He had the odd moment. I think like Jim's right out the front four. It was Anketia and Saka that were the best. But um, yeah, Odegaard's brilliant. Saka, I mean, has gone to levels that you know I never thought he would he, he would reach. To be honest. Uh, it's brilliant. I mean, he almost scored an identical goal uh, in, in the game, which clips off the the outside of the post. But I mean, going back to what Jim said, I think I think he's right to be honest. But I, I look at moments. For, I mean, I, I've seen United teams win leagues. I mean, it, it's a fucking long time ago, but I have. I look at um, moments in seasons, and I look at that one yesterday, that last minute that could have been an offside on another day, literally. Very, very tight. I mean, we've seen them, you know, literally a toe out and Zinchenko's offside and that's it, it's 2-2. But 
not only is he onside and Ketty has managed to stay onside, they went 1-0 down, they end up making it 2-1, but then they concede quick again and then they stick to it, last-minute winner. I look at the result at Stamford Bridge where it doesn't feel like Arsenal ever win. <clears throat> they won. They hadn't won at Spurs since 2017 and they won convincingly I, I just look at them and I think every I mean I said it last week on the on the pod or maybe a couple of weeks ago that I look at Arsenal's fixtures and I think ah well they'll slip up there you know they'll drop points there or they'll lose that one and they're just not so even I think Jim's right again I think City will be the bookies fave but even looking at those two City games I mean right now I don't think Arsenal lose either of them if they can field their best 11 like they did yesterday um, if, if they can you know when the Europa League comes around if they can ignore that and make 9-10 changes like they did in the groups if they continue to do that and they play the best 11 once a week I mean I really don't see why they can't just go on and, and, and win the league this season so um, I'm not going to turn around and say well if City beat them twice and this happens and that because it's just not happened to Arsenal so far so I'm not going to predict it happening now because uh, it hasn't what's, so, what's quite yeah. interesting as well is they play each other on Friday in the FA Cup um, yeah, so they go, they, yeah. I wonder what kind of teams they'll put out it might be a bit tactical I mean if, if it's a really strong team if both teams put out really strong teams I think it only favours the team that's in front of the league it only favours Arsenal because it gives them more information of how teams are playing and um, I feel like there'll be a lot of rotation but if they did, did both play strong teams. It'll be quite interesting to see how that game goes. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it will be. But like I say, it's just moments for Arsenal this season, like last-minute winners and uh, just like that one yesterday and performances away at grounds that they struggled at against rival teams, you know, and, and the winning... Uh, I thought they were the better team against Chelsea. They were definitely the better team against Tottenham. Um, like you know, we'll see what happens against City. But I mean, Liverpool as well, three-two at home, another massive game, another massive result. So they just keep doing it. They keep rolling on, and, and I think it's about time that we kind of look at them now for what they actually are this season, and not what they have been for the last. No, even two or three where they finished eighth and, and fifth and whatever. So, I mean, credit to Arsenal to block out all that noise and, and crack on with Arteta and and uh, stick by him and, and continue to buy in the players that he wants. I mean, he brought in Tavares, and, but they got rid of him, bought in Zinchenko and he's brought in Lacazette, Aubameyang, got rid of them. Or they were there at the club and they've brought in Jesus and the job he's done with Nketiah or that Nketiah's done with himself either way. I mean, you could argue that he's better for this Arsenal side than Jesus has been, which how Jesus was before he got injured is, is you know, a, a huge compliment. So, uh, yeah, credit to Arsenal uh, and Arteta's done brilliantly. So, yeah. I think as well, I think as well just, just before we, we, um, we move on, if you look at recent games between Arteta's Arsenal and Pepsi, they've had our number anyway. Um, when Arteta was, I think they have COVID or something, it was, we only beat them 2-1 and that was because uh, Gabriel just lost his head and got like a red card in the 60th minute. Um, and we ended up winning the last minute Rodrigo, but we didn't deserve to win that game. They was much better. They didn't even have the coach on the sideline. But then I think the same season or the season before they not saw the FA Cup. Um, so they've had they've had our number prior to playing this well. Um, yeah. But yeah, we will we will move yeah. on to uh, the team. I mean, Harland is getting the Player of the Year. By the way, I don't know why I'm saying Saka Odegaard. He's got about forty-five million goals. Wow. <laughs> I took it as a. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Arsenal's player. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll go for Team Cook, who um, definitely won't be coming into the Play of the Year contentions or any kind of trophy contentions. Maybe next season they'll be the Championship Player of the Year. Everton, <laughs> really, really struggling for a minute there on the weekend, was bottom of the league. And today, on the day recording, Monday, the 23rd, 
your old boy cook Frank Lampard has been sacked um, and yeah give up for a new manager so what do you think about all that mess I will call it I, th- I think it is what you said a mess definitely and I think that I heard an Everton fan on TalkSport describe it as a uh, a poison chalice and I think that's a great way to describe it because it is just tragic what's happening there like ownership wise it's just there's no plan there's no anything like there is money in like who owns it is it Usmanov is it Mashiri there's all that as well so something's not right at Everton and there's a lot of shady stuff happening and I just think that unless you go and get we were saying earlier like a Sean Dyche or a big name, then who, like, what's the point really? Because you you knew what Lampard's CV was when you hired him. And I think Mashiri's probably just looked at Lampard's footballing career. It's just not translated to management. And you've got to separate the two, the player and the management side of it. And I think that Mashiri can't do that. I guess the question then, Cook, would be, does Daesh want to get want to manage in the Premier League so badly? He would join Everton the way they're being run at the minute. I mean, like we say, it's a mess. Um, you don't even have to dig deep into it to know that it's a mess. It's the eleventh manager in seven years. This next one, that uh, alone, the start is just describes a club that isn't run very well. Yeah, I, I, you said it yourself. Then that is that's a lot of managers, and I think for Daesh to. So really, he needs to have a word with himself because he was on TalkSport and they, they were basically saying, like, we thought you'd be in for this job, we thought you'd be in for that job. And he was like, I was, but they just didn't really look for me. They think I can only play one-dimensional, but I can only use the tools that I've got. And I respect that from him. And th- those players at Everton, some of them <laughs> at the championship level, and and I think that I think they could, they're in a serious trouble. We've seen big teams go down in the past, and like Newcastle, a massive club, has gone down to the Championship on more than one occasion in my lifetime, which which is mad to say, given where they are right now. And ever, no one's too big to go down, and I think Everton really could. But like you said, Dyche could be getting desperate at this point because he should have had a job by now, realistically, and because of how many have came up and. How how many we spoke about on here where we was like they could go for Daesh and no one ever asked so we'll see yeah and Stan I guess we've we've talked about how bad the club is managed from the very top but um, there's surely got to be questions as to how Frank Lampard's managed especially this season I thought he did an okay job last season the way they rallied at the end but he had to be sacked didn't he on the weekend yeah um, I mean I'd be a hypocrite not to. Um, to put all the blame on Lampard, especially, you know, I, I feel, feel for the Everton fans when the manager's head's on a chopping block because of, you know, the board basically being wank at the job. Um, but it, it always comes to a point and, and unfortunately it's, it's come to the point now, if not, you know, maybe a few weeks ago for Lampard. So it is what it is, I think, you know, because of the shit show that it is, uh, the chaos that there is, at, you know, at board level and, you know, the the... I don't want to call it hatred, but it probably is, to be fair, between the fans and the board at the moment. I think the best thing you can do is, is like Cook said, is bring in somebody like Sean Dyche, who knows the league, is very calm, he's assertive. Uh, he's got a squad there that I think he can work with. Uh, unlike uh, Bielsa, who, I mean, I look at that squad and I don't know, Bielsa's not going to have a clue what to do with that. I know he did uh, wonders with Leeds, but I just think when you're in 
limbo like you are almost at the moment at Everton, I mean, literally and, and metaphorically in terms of they might get relegated, I think you need calmness. And I think Bielsa, Bielsa's football is chaos. And I think there's always a chance for chaos off the pitch. And I just think they need to stick with somebody. Come and get in somebody like Sean Dyche, who we all know seven, eight years he was at Burnley, did a brilliant job until he left. I think, you know, like I say, he's got a squad he can work with there. I think you're more likely to stay up with Sean Dyche than with Bielsa. I mean, in two or three years, Bielsa might be doing better than Dyche, but does that matter if, you know, you're rebuilding in the championship? It doesn't really matter. So, again, Everton find themselves in a position where, you know, half halfway through the season or whatever it is, and their main aim is to stay in the league. So, for me, it's got to be Sean Dyche. I think, I think they need that, somebody to come in, be assertive, be calm, be a, a leadership figure, uh, and somebody that the Everton fans can get behind. I mean, I know they want brilliant football because they played it in the 1980s when 50% of them wasn't weren't alive. But the fact of the matter is that they need to stay in the Premier League. That's, that's, that's the be, and, be all and end all. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Howard Kendall might have played great footy, but, you know, he's had no air since most of these were alive. So, um, <laughs> it, it, it is... And, it, you know, they need to stay in the Premier League. That is the be all and end all. Yeah. If they go, if they get relegated, and this board stay, I mean, honestly, yeah, I fear for. I mean, you, you talk about a headlock making the front page of the Echo. I mean, there'll be worse things happening to some of those board members. I think, and and, and they'll have the, the best stadium ever in second division football history. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Wigan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Wigan's yeah. Good. I think I think where the board will be a bit disappointed. Um, I'm not sticking up from because I mean I think this is ultimately lies at, at the feet of them. But I think in the first season, I think Frank Lampard's done this in his last two jobs at Chelsea and Everton were in that first season at Chelsea he had the transfer embargo. At the first season at Everton, that FFP just fucked them. I think they spent like less than two million, didn't they? They brought like um <coughs> who's the lad who used to play for Leicester, Damari Gray on the wing, they bought like towns and there's like three agents one there, and they ended up doing really well with what he had effectively. And but then he has had some money to set, but spend in his second season both times, and ultimately, it's not worked out for him. Because um, they, they spent pennies in his first season, but his second season, let's not forget, he brought in on- Onana, he brought in Tarkovsky, he brought in Connor Cody, brought just a gay back. I think his signings were really good on paper. I think we said it pre-pod. I think we, all, I think we actually all agreed that Everton have sneakily had a really solid transfer window, like one of the better ones, and. And look where they are. I mean, we don't know yet if it's the players or the manager, but I think that's where the board will have gone. Right, we have to just get someone else. I know we've got like one every two, two every season now for the last 10 years, but we have to just do it again, unfortunately. And I guess we'll see if that is Sean Dyche, who he'll be the bookie's favourite because it, this is kind of his job to keep a struggling team who's on paper not good enough to play in the Premier League in the Premier League and he's, he's, he's kept Burnley he's kept worse Burnley teams in the Premier League than this Everton one um, I don't think it's a bad team at all to be honest I know Cook said some, some of the players are championship level but when they field that 11 especially I, I think personnel wise it's quite good you, sh- you shouldn't be going down with Tarkovsky, Cody Pickford Onana, Gay they're all players that are good enough to McNeil who's obviously playing in the Daesh they're all players who are good enough to make every single game hard you don't have to. The teams like down there don't have to be scoring loads of goals at this stage of this season. It just has to be hard to beat and pick up points where they can. And I think under the managed right, they will be okay. Yeah, I, like I said, so, some are championship players definitely in that squad, but there's some that are just blatantly down tools and they blatantly down tools for the last two managers. And 
I just think that, that like we said before, it's a, it's a mess. That this is the same guy that hired Rafa Benitez, thinking it was a good idea. Uh, so, so there you go. Name name names of championship players and say Seamus Coleman. Go on. Oh, oh, lad, he he was the first <laughs> guy. He was the first guy in my mind when we said that. Straight away, yeah. there for me. But but I think uh, like like Jim said, Onana is a very good player. I I think he he can go very far in in the game. I think he can play for a good club, and I'm not saying Everton's not a good club, but I mean like this, he can play at a good level. There's there's glimpses of players in Everton team that when they come together, when we seen them play um, against Liverpool and get the nil nil, where the midfield was brilliant and Tarkovsky was brilliant and Conor Cody was brilliant, we've seen glimpses of it. As of it, it's obviously just not just not confident at the end. I mean, God yeah. no, I mean they've lost they've lost the best player in Richarlison and God knows what happens to Dominic Carvalho after his injury. I mean that's 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 probably the biggest concern is who's gonna score the goals. Yeah. That's Neil. it, but I suppose the flip side of that, Jim, is like you said, is if you if you're not gonna be, you know, scoring bags of goals, be difficult to beat and yeah, exactly. again it points to the ginger tomcat in Mr. Sean Dyche for me. You know, you've got to get him in. He'll make sure they're hard working. Tarkovsky's there, McNeil's there. He's worked with the lads before. I mean, you've got internationals, Anana Pickford, you've already mentioned. I think Damari Gray can be a match winner on his day. So goals, you know, difficult. But the minimum that us fans want and the minimum that the players can give us is at least a team that you can get behind and know is going to work hard. I guess they get some back. Welcome back, listeners. That music can only mean one thing. It is, of course, Bet of the Week, FA Cup edition this weekend. And we're going to start off at Craven Cottage, Fulham versus Sunderland. Just going to go for a Fulham win in that one. Then we're going to go down to a championship clash in the FA Cup, Ipswich versus Burnley, Vincent Company's Burnley to win this one. Then Southampton versus Blackpool. We're going to go Southampton to beat the Seasiders Blackpool in this one. And then we're going to go for Stans Man United to beat Reading to nil. And lads, what can the listeners do with that information? They can shove it up the racket. All right, Cookie Podcast listeners, welcome back. And today we've got a bit of an impromptu who am I? Because Stan did pull it up to me there that we did start the other game last week and we are sorry. We were working on something, but unfortunately we just ran over time talking about holy fucking Man United Man City. That was good. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> who am I? We'll just do one player this time. Winner takes it all. Puck mm-hmm. versus Stan. And do you know what? This is the classic guess one um, clue of who am I. And it's I was born on 6th of February 1984. Making me 38. Uh-huh. I'll do the maths for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Is it Thiago Silva? It isn't, no, but... Great oh, no, no. Great age of Tim Lovejoy said. Great. No, it's, it's the opposite way, though. Um, clue number two, guys. I was Tottenham Hotspur's club record signing in 2007. Ooh, Modric. It's not Luka Modric. Oh, two thousand and seven spuds. 
Fucking hell, they were shit back then as well. I'm struggling now. It's been a great Wikipedia pick. Oh, I will, uh, I will share after this. Oh, we. Oh, it's Roman Pavlichenko. That. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's not Roman Pavlichenko. I'm afraid. Um, this might give you a bit of a clue. Whereabouts he was born? Oh, fuck. Um, I have made 13 appearances for England, scoring four goals. Not too bad. Ah, I think I know who it is. David Bentley. Is it? Is it it's not David Bentley, but it. I think it, I think it's Darren Bentley. It is. It is a DB, not Daniel Bryan either. Darren Bentley. There we go. And the aforementioned Wikipedia pick there. I mean, this is not for the oh. listeners; just for us. Fucking wow. cool. Hey, <laughs> like look, that. Tony does. That's very, very mid-2000s. I like that smile. Um, smile. <laughs> yeah, I think my next clues were going to involve um, you know, Goldstein. being, being Goldstein's mate, you know, scoring that um, goal at Anfield, the, the balloon, whatever that was, the beach ball. That was Darren oh, Bent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. There you go, lads. Darren Bent, great guy. Get him on the podcast. Great guy. Great age. Great. I'm actually a big Darren Bent fan. Hello, welcome back. We're going to talk about a bold denying man from Italy called Antonio Conte, um, playing for so well, no, not playing for, coaching a trophy denying club in Tottenham Hotspur. So he's not going to be there next season, Cook. Uh, as an ex-Chelsea <laughs> man in Conte and a current Chelsea man in himself, how do you feel about this news that he's, he's only lasted? I mean, is it even two years? Did he come? Halfway through one year, or is he? I don't even. I couldn't tell you to be honest. How do you feel that he's going anyway? Are you surprised? <laughs> as, as Nate Diaz said, "Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers." <laughs> <laughs> that is class news, by the way, Jim. Sorry to interrupt. Why the will fuck? He will Floyd live. Mayweather he will fighting live. Aaron from Geordie Shore. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Floyd, Floyd have no money, lad? What's he done? <laughs> Sorry, it's into a carry on. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Cook, are you surprised that Conte has only lasted, uh, well, how long he's lasted at Tottenham and he's going already? No, and, and, and as I've said to a friend of the pod, Kyle, many times since Conte went in there. One, I respect the man's right to work. He's he's not the first ex-Chelsea manager to manage Tottenham and he, he definitely won't be the last because they all like living in London. So Conte, the phrase I use to him, burns fast but burns bright. And and that's what he's he's always done. And usually he's got a tune out of somewhere, but if something he's usually turned the phrase chicken shit into the chicken salad, but Spurs just are chicken shit. That's the that's the <laughs> <laughs> and and it, and it, and I say that with a big old smile, because <laughs> I love the pod. Because yeah, because it, because he hates he hates Spurs, and he, and he's just dragging his feet. He's going to the end of the year. He's not signing a new deal, and their director of football is potentially going to get suspended as well. Not, he, he is, yeah. Unless he, unless he appeals it, he's currently suspended, isn't he, for two years? So yeah. in Italian football, I believe though, but. Uh, the Italians, are, well, Juve are trying to push 
for it to be worldwide. And if that affects Tottenham, then Conte is already out the door, as we've already mentioned. So that could be mental. Yeah, it could. I mean, Jim, um, have we learned anything about Conte that we didn't already know? And will Spurs fans <laughs> be sad to see him go? No, it's been a whole waste of time. Just like the next six months. Well, I mean, why keep Conte now? Like, I, what what is the answer to keeping Conte right now? If you're a Spurs on the board or a Spurs fan, if the news is you might just leave in six months, it's almost fucking pointless. Um, it's kind of like when we had Pellegrini for that last six months. We all knew Guardiola was coming, and it was just like no one was asked. <laughs> and I mean, especially for a team that's been trying to rebuild every other manager. Um, he just hasn't worked, has it? He looked decent for like maybe a few months, a few spells he had. I mean, I think last season towards the end he had a really good spell and you thought, yeah, they're actually playing some attacking football. He was scoring some, a lot of goals and he was on a good run of form. But we've said it a thousand times, haven't we, on the pod? We, we, it's how Conte plays football and when the results don't go his way. This is what happens. They leave Conte and... The board, the way both act, the Spurs board and the way Conte act was always going to end in him leaving after not that many years. So, yeah, no, we haven't learned anything, I'll be honest. I mean, unless you lads have learned something, I haven't. But, no. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 want, they want Pochettino back, so that just says it all, doesn't it? They, they literally just, they've not taken a step anywhere. They're just going, not backwards, but maybe sideways at best. Yeah. Uh, no, we definitely haven't learned anything. I, th- I think the thing is, I mean, it's one of the first things I said to friend of the pod, Mr. Freed. I said, look, the, the football that Conte plays, if he's playing that, you have to be winning. And I suppose it's something he can get behind. He creates that siege mentality, screaming on the touchline with players that, you know, when they're working hard, will you know, you can get behind them. But if you go, if, if it's not working, if you're not winning anything, it, it must be one of the worst things to watch week week in, week out. I mean, I've said it a few times already this season that Spurs are the worst team to watch in the league. If there's a game on and it's got Spurs in it, it will be shit nine times out of ten. Uh, I don't think Conte has helped that. Uh, if anything, he's probably exasperated that. But I mean, I don't think many Spurs fans will be sad to see him go. I think, like Jim said, a lot will be excited to welcome their old friend Pochettino back, who might finish, um, you know, second and third again and, and lose a cup final. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they do. Uh, but it's typical Spurs. I mean, we've seen it with Harry Kane today that, you know, they're all happy there. Po- Pochettino will go back there. There's not much expectation. They might finish top four and they'll get praise for, you know, having a great stadium and, and getting through the Champions League groups. So there yeah, we go. I, I think I, I think if you could argue there's one thing we, we've learned is that Conte was always going to call this board out. But a lot of people say, oh, yeah, Spurs Rapids just sell players and they're not here to win things. But I mean, from what's actually happened, if you actually look at what's actually happened, they had a great window. They gave Kane and Son not only Kulisevsky last January, who's an amazing player. They had Richarlison, we all know, is a brilliant player. We just see him in the World Cup. He's amazing. They signed great midfielders. Benton Court is a great player. Romero has been really good since he came in. The signs yeah, Pazuma, they made... The, the Pazuma, yeah. They're spending... They're giving Conte's guys. They're spending a lot of money. Kane has been on the brink of leaving for City and now he's on the brink of leaving for United. He stayed when City came and called. Reports in the past few days saying that He'll happy to sign another contract. You've never sold Son. From what's actually happened to me, 
it's all just bollocks. Like this thing that Conte is saying, oh yeah, they just want to be happy and um, like do business. I want to win things. I, I don't believe a fucking word of it. The the way what's actually happened, they're actually signing players to get better every single season. The way, way I see it, and they're keeping the best players, and they're trying to upgrade in the in the market. Yeah, there's still some holes to fill in that squad at like defence and right back. Probably needs to get another keeper now. Larice is getting a bit older, but I, I, I don't I don't see that I can from Conte myself. He'll go and fucking save Juve from the shit or something. That's what he'll do. You think he'll go back Juve? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think you'd go back tomorrow if I think if if somebody rang him, I think you'd go back tomorrow by the sounds of it. Even with all the shit. Well, yeah, not too bad, is it? Really? I mean, the season—they're not going to win the title, and they're only going to be like tenth. No, it's right. not that bad, is it? I mean, people, people are, are, were going to get charged. Have been charged, and he was—he's a—he's managed her before. He's, he's a former UV captain, so to him, it's probably just you know. There's no, no transfer embargo, is there? No. no, not currently. I mean, if anything, it's, it's probably, he probably is thinking I want to go back and help more than fuck that. I Honestly. They've not won the title in the longest they have since they won like 10 in a row. It's probably not that bad to her. You just clear out the deadwood now and like reset next season. I mean, the miles off Napoli anyway. I mean, just go next season without winning European footy. They're probably going to have a better chance of winning it. Well, that's it. I mean, the thing that, get the, thing that back. Hope, the thing that they can hold on to hope for is the fact that Napoli will probably get blitzed in the next two seasons anyway. So give it two or three years and they might be right up there because Osserman... Kvaric, Scalia, Kim, Minjay and all them, you'd probably expect them all to go, but... We'll yeah, next season, anyway. do they just get Pogba and Kulisevsky back? Yeah, Kulisevsky's like, still on loan, which I only like, found out the other day, but it's, it's whether, uh, you know, we'll go about Juve or not, because obviously they're probably going to have to sell with some of the issues they've got, so... <clears throat> I'll just flip Arthur and Pjanic again, and um, that have a lot. Yeah. And Neto and... Yeah. What's that? Paulinho? Yeah, I remember when sixty million. I remember years ago. Uh, you remember Silasuni was a uh, no, maybe it wasn't Valencia. Silasuni. Yeah, Dutch guy. Oh no, that was Barca. That yeah, I remember. Yeah, ba- Valencia Barca. and Barca. They just swap keepers, didn't they? Yeah, Neto, <laughs> Neto was at Valencia and Silasun was at Barca, and Valencia bought Silasun for fifteen million, and Barca bought Neto for fifteen million, so they could put it on the books that they brought it's fifteen million. Like they're a bit dodgy. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, it's like it's like when they bought Danilo off us for like forty, and we we bought Cancelo for sixty. Wonder why there was no swap? They trying to balance the books, maybe. Mm. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> right, listeners. Unfortunately, it is that time of the episode—the time where we do have to love you and leave you. But it's also the time where I can tell you where to find us on social media. So. If you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so by using the handle cookiepodcast1. That's cookiepodcast followed by the number one. If you want to follow us on TikTok as well, you can get us on there by using the handle the cookie podcast. That's T-H-E, cookie podcast. And we're also available on Spotify, Anchor FM, which is our host platform, and iTunes. So be sure to check us out. And if you're enjoying the pod, pass us on to your friends, family, and make sure you give us a five-star review so we can stay as the world's greatest podcast. So it's been episode 164 and that's the way the cookie crumbles.